Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Isika, a digital journey of self discovery. My name is Amina Isid, and thank you so much for joining me on my journey. So, the past decade, I guess this decade started in 2020 and not 2021. But being that we lost most of 2020 due to Corona, I guess it's only right to, you know, have a little flashback. So, the past decade for me was really marked by growth and curiosity. I was hell bent on making sense of all of my identities and which way socialization limited my ability to live my best life. And the last hurdle for me to make sense of was the what did it mean to be Somali question. But now, in hindsight, I would say it's more how did the war and state collapse affect the meaning of being Somali? And despite it all, I went to Hargeisa with everything that I had learned beforehand and a strong excitement to rest. Relax and live my best African life. Damien Marley has a song where he says, I'm still searching for a fine peace of mind. And I thought that when I went to Africa, I'd be able to find a peace of mind and really relax. The title of this episode comes from that song. But I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to this story than that. But at the time, I thought if there's nothing else that I could gain from the experience, that I would be able to have a little house that grows mangoes and has a fresh breeze. And the feeling of being free is what I would get in post Civil War Somaliland. But instead, I ate lahoh doused in peanut butter every single morning. And due to the chaoticness of American life, I still kept my same like crazy hurried habits. So I would eat my breakfast on my morning commute to work in Hargeisa the same way that I would have back home. But instead of probably some toast and peanut butter, now I'm eating lahoh and peanut butter with my cup of shah. Like I never left the house without my cup of shah. And whoever was joining me on the morning commute that day would always look at me as I'm holding the salah with something weird on it. And they would look at it and be like, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's walos or lishide. You know, they call it peanut butter. It's really delicious. Do you want to try it? And without fail, every single person that tried it fell in love at, to the point where I was bringing out like lahoh and peanut butter for whoever was going to be on my morning commute that day. And it was such a nice bonding activity with whoever I was riding with. And I'm sure we just sang Somali songs the whole way as well.、Um, but it was also a good way to blend the two worlds together. And each summer I was there, it added a different perspective or layer to the experience. Even if I was running back home to the States afterwards, during my time in the city, I'd come across people whose lives were being altered by the process of being there. And so many drastic life changes were expedited by this trip to the motherland. So it was never like a one and done type of thing, like, oh, this is cool. Like a lot of people were either choosing to live there, were getting married, or, you know, their lives were just drastically being altered by this experience. And while I might have been like running out and didn't live it all by watching them、um, and coming across so many different t y p e of people, I felt like I was able to kind of see that there was a very a common thread. And I felt like I was definitely searching for something. That I did not have the words for, but like I kept telling my cousin and whoever would listen to me, it was an experience that I felt like I had to see through. And the, th- the third summer that I went back was the first time that I felt like I was trying to rehold claims as to how to balance out the experience of being there 
and fitting it in with my American world. Instead of taking a really long trip, I took a two-week summer vacation. My friend was getting married. And right before I was about to leave to go to Hargeisa, I came across this article about Nina Simone. And it said that she went to Africa in search of peace or a husband or maybe the feeling of home. And I feel like for a lot of us returnees, everybody's going back searching for something. And so the next couple of episodes after this one will really be about that experience uh, for various young people. And I thought that I was well prepared when I was going there. I knew people who had gone the year before. They told me what it was going to be like, that I would hate it in the beginning, and then I'd love it by the end. So I had to make sure that I spent at least three months in the beginning to be able to kind of go through the ebbs and flows of that. And I came back and told them all, why didn't you all prepare me? And then they just looked at me and they were like, we didn't have the same experience that you did. Um, I didn't exist in a diaspora bubble while I was there. I went there to intern in the beginning. So I was working alongside people. I was out in the daytime. <laughs> and I was very much like a butterfly, like just open, free everywhere, but very much visible to everybody. While you do find community with those you have the most in common with, each, each opportunity back allowed my world and community to grow a little bit more. And I have to say, the first weeks of my first trip really were the worst. Um, it was so brutal. I felt all levels of constriction, but also I just didn't know how to navigate being there. It was a new place. I, um, It was a new place. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And once I burst out of my bubble and accepted that I was in the country of my ancestors and nobody was going to tell me how to live this experience for myself, that I had to claim it and make it my own, everything changed for me. And while I was too scared to walk around my own neighborhood, anytime I went to the ends, whether it was Javier's neighborhood or New Herkes or even the Souk, I just walked around as much as I could, enjoying the fact that I was outside, getting some fresh air, and able to see what this city was like in real life. And so I would get used to different spots, um, figure out what I needed, where things were. So even to this day, I know if I pass by, like if I'm going all the way towards like Quraidad and stuff, if the Botan fuel station, that means I uh, have left the souk and I'm closer to Qa'dir than I am to the souk. And then Edna Adams Hospital is right near there. And that is when I know that I'm getting closer to Javier's house. And then sometimes we would go even further, like out that way, like going to Masalaha in the jungle and stuff like that. But I knew that I could always just hop on a bus and it would be a straight shot all the way down through the Buluk back to the souk. And then that at the souk is where I transferred to my quote-unquote diaspora life. And I'd go to Telesam and fill up things in my Zed. And then, you know, I have a shopping problem. And then I would Or I'd go to Dahabshil if I wanted. Just a different, like, scenery. And then take the taxi back um, to my neighborhood of the Winding Luke's. And despite how long it's been, I will I will always remember how to get to that house. You know, you take a left at Mohammedera's shop, and then you take a right all the way through, past the teen, past the little small looks. Even if you think that your big car won't make it through, guarantee I can promise you that it will make it through. Um, and then keep on going straight until you see the house on the right. And while I came that first summer on my own, it was a great Qurbachok summer and a great... First introduction to the country and what was possible there. 
It was nice to meet my cousins and extended family members, but even nicer to meet people that I could also get along with with the mutual understanding that we were all there for a short amount of time, very much foreigners in the land of our ancestors and really trying to make the best of our time there. Every time I was at, with Ayayo and she would hear me talking to my friends in English, and she very much understood that once I left her and I left that house, that I was going to go live in my own different world. She had no idea what I was doing, but she would always urge me to be safe and come back soon. And I really feel like I had a great balance that first summer. I had a little taste of America and Hargeisa. I had a great little diaspora bubble. And I, the best book fair, in my opinion, also took place that summer that I had the opportunity to work with. And I really enjoyed being a part of that community at the time. I still remember to this day, we used to go eat lunch, like 10, 15 of us. And in a city where everybody, in my opinion, was so siloed. So that was a nice like medium ground for me where so many different things were converging at the same time. There was a strong youth representation. There was international guests that were there. There was Somaliland elite was there. So it was kind of like everybody was there regardless of for whatever reason like there's not that much to do there so if you wanted to you know like stick out a little bit rub shoulders with people like that was the place to be and that year the guest country was Nigeria and only in Somaliland would I meet a writer from the same small state as me who I had never heard of in the states but in Hergesa, we're talking about our small New England state. And every guest was so respectful and wanted to learn the history and background of Somaliland, learn a little bit more about how the people were living. And also, of course, you know, learn a little Somali while they were at it. And it truly showed me that human connection surpasses language barriers. A lot of the, our foreign guests were prominent writers and critics from their respective countries. And so with that, a lot of them had to make homes in different parts of the world. And that also showed me home is not always a place that will give you the freedom and space to be who you're meant to be. And there are also bigger identities than nationality. And the African continent truly was all of our place to make home. And overall, honestly, it was really nice to watch Somaliland through their eyes and see how it compares to places they have visited or where they were from. A lot of times they would ask me questions as the English speaking person close to them. And I didn't have any of those answers. I was a newcomer just like them, you know, but then that would then force me to ask other people their questions and then I would also learn a little bit more whereas I might have been too shy to ask beforehand and that year there also was a woman of the world conference held at the same time as the book fair that brought the lovely Hannah Poole to Hargeisa and in a society and a time where women didn't take up too much public space we discussed how society could be a bit more inclusive from a gendered perspective. This intergenerational meeting where women from the diaspora were supported and encouraged to take up space by their elders is a moment I will never forget. So while I came to Somaliland expecting a continuation of constrictive social norms and some family bonding, my world and network was expanded beyond belief. And as someone in their 20s who blindly came to Somaliland with very minimal expectations, this was such a great and amazing homecoming. So while it was great, I obviously also had a lot of learning curves and issues to navigate. 
But with time and a sense of patience, you learn which battles to pick. But each summer, I linked up and met with family and friends that I would have not had a chance to meet so easily. And that was the beauty of being in Hargeisa. It kind of like leveled the playing field for the diaspora, despite what our first language was and the norms in our quote-unquote home country were. We were in Somalia, living out our Somali existence. And that was also something that I can say makes this experience second to none. And while my first summer was marked by being different in every way, with the second summer, I was not a stranger, but still navigating the change. I was fighting over my dress code all summer, and I also enjoyed the reprieve of chilling with Odayasha. My uncle and dad there with me that summer so it, it was like easy to just kind of like take a back seat to them living out life in Somaliland and it was so nice to witness how male privilege plays out in a Somali context and I was still just kind of taking notes as to how this was gonna compare to my previous summer and that year though I was very much burnt out but I drank copious amounts of shah and took any opportunity to learn as much as I could which of course happened through traveling around and verbally processing out loud. Um, so just for the record, I'd like to apologize to anyone who came across me that summer. It was a lot. Um, but I left that summer with the largest and most obnoxious henna design. I mean, I thought it was beautiful. To visibly note how Hargisa had left its mark on me and I would not be the same afterwards. But I left just in the same tornado um, that I came with. Came back the next year, very much ready to continue from where I left off the year before, always doubting the inevitable changes that come with time. And I watched as those around me made commitments and were settling down as I was prepared to fly, honestly. There were more family members that were in town that year, and I complained about Hargeisa's food with my aunties from Europe as they made me a homemade iced latte and tuna sandwiches. And even being in their house, I, we literally were transported to Europe. It was so crazy to wrap my head around the fact that they had created such a strong semblance of their normal in such a foreign place to me at the time. And I watched them make their time in the country their own as I chased after every commitment and person that I knew. My cousins from Canada were also in town, and in between everything we hung out and spent all our time at cafe barbera eating cheesecakes and drinking milkshakes and my cousin literally to this day still talks about those milkshakes i would say she was just excited about the fact that we drank milkshakes in hargeisa but we she really feels like those milkshakes hit the way nothing else hits in the states and she was also so surprised that i had made it there that i was so comfortable moving around and talking to people but she didn't realize that it had been years since i had been going there like i wasn't new to this place anymore you know i earned my stripes and i was so grateful that with that summer all my worlds were converging and it wasn't like i had my american life and my somaliland life and they were completely separate all the lines kind of blurred and it made the experience a little bit more a part of my continuous life. It wasn't an outlier in the experience. And so that summer in 2017 also was the first summer that I really lounged and relaxed. A lot of diaspora come there to rest on holiday and I did the opposite until that point. So it was really nice to be able to have an opportunity into that quote-unquote relaxing life that everyone talked about. I spent my day putting on face masks and napping and then just 
even sleeping in was nice. And then I would sing along to every single taxi driver's music. And that's when I realized that I kind of made it. When I was talking to a taxi driver one day and I was like, oh my God, and then I was singing along to it. And then he was so surprised. He's like, oh, I didn't know Diaspora new songs like this. And I was like, of course. All these other like Fenanin Imaka, you know, they're just, they're not as good as Kui Hore. And he's like, Allah wallahi wa ruta. And he really just gave me props. <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh, I think I've broken the barriers. <laughs> so in 2018, I came back like, Ugh, okay, let's see what this is going to be like. And I tried to make as much plans as possible before I landed. But I also trusted the universe a lot more that year. I was getting older and I was able to navigate being in Somaliland a lot better and I'm really grateful for that trip. 2018 was the trip uh, that I always wanted. I presented at the Somali Studies Conference about my 2015 master's thesis research about diaspora returnees being pushed to the periphery of society and dealing with the social and cultural negotiations of being there. And I can't believe I did that. Or I had the confidence to do that so unapologetically. But that goes to show just how much more I felt comfortable being there. And I felt ownership of my role in the country. I sat back and listened to music every single night. And I really chilled and did things how I wanted to. And the biggest highlight of that trip, I also went to Mogadishu. And I moved through the city in wonder and awe. I'm very appreciative for every surprise that came along with that trip. And it really felt like the homecoming I always imagined it to be, where nothing was actually foreign or cold, made it well worth the wait. And in a little room at the University of Hargeisa, while listening to a presentation of Islamic undertones in Somali music, I sang along to Sobalo, Hesti Amin Abdullah Hirsi and Ahmed Garita, alongside a bunch of old men, young ladies, and middle-aged women. Another Amina and I smiled at each other years after we first met, appreciative for community, shared identity, and a sense of belonging. And this was the homecoming I always envisioned. Kukala na krono, milwana fabar.